Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel and recommend the 10 comics you should be reading and picking up this new comic book day. I'm your host, Dallas. I'm Alexis. And I'm Anne. And for today's episode, we are joined by the saxophone man himself, Matt Draper, (laughs) to discuss Emily Carroll's Through the Woods. Uh, so, Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Um, so for anybody that is just joining us now or missed the last couple episodes, for the month of October, we are going to be exclusively diving into horror comics, spooky comics, all things October and fun, you know? I still haven't sold my Charlie Brown Great Pumpkin episode hard <laughs> enough, so maybe next year, but... Um, so Matt, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about your relationship with horror as a genre? Sure. Yeah, I could definitely do that. Um, I'm a big horror fan, um, as a YouTuber, um, which is the main thing that I'm known for, not saxophone actually, uh, is, uh, a lot of the things that I cover end up being split between, uh, comic books and horror and sometimes horror comics and, uh, those are a lot, two of my favorite things, generally speaking. So uh, I'm a big fan. Um, thinking about my own history with horror, it's hard to say exactly when it starts. Probably at too young of an age, my parents were a little bit lax with the things that they showed me when I was younger. And um, I just remember uh, walking down the aisles of like blockbuster video and being terrified by the covers of the videos in the horror section. But um, and just not wanting to look at them, honestly. And I think that for a long time, I was sort of a little too scared of horror. Um, my this is another this is a bit of a tangent, but my favorite um, theme park ride is the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. But uh, when I was a young kid, we would go on the Haunted Mansion and my mom would cover my eyes when we went to the attic section with the uh, the the Black Widow bride. And she'd cover my eyes. And say, oh, it's too terrible. Don't look, Matt. Don't look. And of course, when you're a kid, your imagination is so much worse than what you could possibly see. And also, it's the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland, so it's not that bad. <laughs> um, but it sort of created this like terror and fascination uh, with horror for me. And as I just got older, I sort of got more and more into it, and you know, leaned into it. In the late te- my late teens and early twenties, I just sort of embraced it a lot, and just loved being scared and loved the elements of horror, and then also the the um, the ideas behind creating horror, uh, which is a lot of just now as, as a YouTuber, what I cover a lot. I'm really fascinated with the ideas behind it, the process behind it, what it means, the impact, the legacy. Um, and that's sort of, you know, a big element of, of my own fascination. And so when someone can, someone can watch a horror movie and something disgusting and terrifying can happen, they go, oh my God, that's terrible. I can look at it and be like, isn't that rad? Like, I love that. Um, and then, of course, I'm a huge comic book fan, too. I've been a comic book fan since, oh, I don't want to give away my age, but the like the first real comic book that I, I loved was um, um, the Marvel versus DC crossover uh, event in the 90s. My dad, uh, I was I started watching, you know, Batman, the animated series, and Spider-Man, the animated series, and loved those. So my dad knew that I was a big fan of that. And then he found out somehow about this, you know, event crossover that was coming out. 
and when he would be coming home from work he, uh, every month, he'd swing by the comic book store, get a copy, and and, and you know, bring it home for me. And my love of comic books started that way. So, uh, and they cross over. I'm not the hu- I'm not a huge horror comic reader. Like I don't read every horror comic. It has to kind of be pick and choose because uh, sometimes horror comics are just like, well, this this guy just got opened up. And that's kind of the horror of it all. Because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we'll talk about it. The ideas of trying to create actually scary, uh, well-done horror comic um, is very different than, you know, creating a, a horror movie. Um, because sense of pacing is determined by the reader and, and everything. Um, mm-hmm. So it just depends on the comic for me. Uh, that I'll I'll enjoy it, uh, depending on, on the elements of horror that they push into it. Like, um, Dallas, I know that you're reading Sandman right now. Yes. Yes. And the the early issues of Sandman uh, are really really horror heavy, mm-hmm. um, and it's like my least favorite part of that entire comic. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see what you think of it as you push uh, further in. Yeah. Um, but as it gets further and further away from horror and more into like the metafictional elements, I think that it's a way stronger comic. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm... my that's my ramble on horror and comics. No, I like it. I'm intrigued for, with Sandman as well because. I feel like the opposite is almost true of Swamp Thing, which was is mm. one of my other big Vertigo loves. Is I feel like it gets more horrifying right there in the middle, and then it gets really metaphysical again at the end. There's mm-hmm. like this, there's this trough right there in the middle where it's very horror heavy, and it's one of my favorite portions of that series. So mm-hmm. Sandman For will the, be an the Alan Moore, yeah, the Alan yeah, Moore yeah. run with American Gothic kind of pushing into all the horror too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, what are yeah, all so, your thoughts? What are all your thoughts on horror and comics? And since you're kicking off the month, right? It would be awesome to hear your own experiences. Yeah. Does anyone want to hop in or should should I ramble? Well, Prince Pansy can go ahead. Oh, Prince Pansy. <laughs> That's yep. me. Um, so horror for me was <laughs> always like kind of similar to what Matt said. My I was scared of them at Blockbuster Video. It was super funny you said that. Well, I was like, mom I remember and dad that played that up well. too. <laughs> yeah, to so, be scared of them. It's very funny. I I ended up watching a lot of things that I didn't realize were horror because they weren't pitched to me that way, right? Like one of my first favorite movies was the original Alien by Ridley Scott. I remember watching that as like a nine year old, being like, "This <laughs> it's not is a horror it, movie, baby. <laughs> this is it," and dad. loving it. But then. My mom had like a traumatic experience with the children of the corn when she was like 13. I or watched whatever. that the other day and that just made me laugh so hard because I also, in my mind, was like, this is the scariest movie ever made. Yeah. My mom right. just convinced me that this is the worst movie ever created. I watched it. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, like, horror was very taboo in our house. Even just the other day, I asked my dad, I was like, I'm putting together a list of horror movies. What should we watch? He's like, oh, I don't like any horror. I was like, well, let's expand your horizons a little bit. You love monster movies. He's like, I guess that's true. I was like, what monster movies do you like? Um, And so really for me, like I would watch horror movies in high school, but I didn't love sort of like the cheap jump scares of a lot of the movies that my friends really liked. Like that wasn't very entertaining to me. And it wasn't until I got pretty into, I remember reading Witches by Scott Snyder and that just clicked for me for some reason. I was like, oh, I really like this. I like the creepy. I like how it makes me feel like there's something over my shoulder. And that has turned over the years since then into me going back and investigating a lot of the things that were taboo for so long. 
right? And mm -hmm. I think horror comics for me are a really interesting beast because sort of like Matt said, it it's not very horrifying unless it's really well done. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? With a movie, you can throw a lot of SFX at a person. You can throw a lot of jump scares. You can play with music and emotion a lot to get what you want the person to feel. But with a comic, you just have to have a premise, basically, and story beats that are strong enough that they can make someone feel scared. And I actually, I'm very excited to talk about the book we're talking about today because I think it did that so well. And mm -hmm. I wasn't just from the outset flipping through, looking at the artwork. I'm like, oh, I'll be intrigued to see how I feel about this because it's not very grotesque. You know what I mean? Like there are little bits, but it was, it was chilling and it was really fun it's in the way that I think. That it that, just like plants the scary. Mm -hmm, the subtleness mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. And that I think that's the kind of horror I like. The horror that the more I think about it, the more terrified I get instead of that initial visceral reaction. Um, but how about how about you, Anne? What's your relationship with horror like? I have such a unique relationship with horror because it's horror has always been that thing for me where it's like I don't always want to admit that I like it because it has intrigued me in a way that like no other genre ever has. Because it's like the only genre that has like such a like visceral effect on you, you know, it's like just from watching a scene or two of a movie, you can be thinking about that scene for like months or years. You could be having nightmares about it forever. That was <laughs> um, oh, I've had a few movies like that. And it's just so fascinating to me how just a simple concept like that and the execution of it can have such a deep effect on you. And like like you said, it's a taboo thing because no one likes to talk about what makes them afraid because it's it's <laughs> it's uncomfy no one likes stories that make them uncomfy but i think there's a special power in embracing stories like this and helping understand not only who you are and what your own fears are but i think it helps honestly <laughs> it helps you face them and helps you become a stronger person and i think that's where like i started to really embrace it and there was a period where probably in about high school, I started getting into, really into like creepypastas and stuff like that and actually wrote a few. That's that's the hard thing about transitioning is I wrote a couple of creepypastas, actually got a couple of them nominated as pastas of the month over on the wiki, but I can't claim them anymore because they have my quote unquote pen name on them. So uh, it's it's a genre I love so much, but like I feel like the common theme here is comics have a hard time doing them correctly it's hard to emulate that on the page where like you said matt i think you put it perfectly it's just the reader controls the pace and i think it takes a real master to force you to go at the pace they want like we talked a little bit before about like how junji ito plans specifically for like those jump scares on his pages he knows exactly like okay, I know you have to take a small break here to turn the page. I know exactly where this is going to happen. I know how this is going to land. I'm going to make it feel as drastic as possible. I'm going to make it hit as heavy as I can. And I think stuff like that really works. And I think especially for his type of stories, it really works. And it takes a masterful hand and a masterful understanding of the medium to make that work. And I think this is one of those instances where I'm just so relieved that the execution was as masterful as it was. It was just an absolute joy to read through. A chilling joy, but a joy. I definitely, I read this early morning on the train and there was a part of me that was like, put this down for a minute. The sun hasn't come <laughs> up. 
was like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on on this seven train at five in the morning. Put this down. <laughs> I, I was kind of like that on the first night I got it. I was like reading it. I'm like, I got through the first story. I'm like, I could binge this whole thing right now, but I kind of don't want to. I want to savor this a little bit because mm-hmm. this is something that doesn't happen every day. Like mm-hmm. I talk about like horror comics I've liked on the page before. Like I was talking just a little bit about Harrow County, which is a great horror comic, but it does. It's like, it's a great horror comic in the way that the premise is really interesting. The execution is really interesting, but there's never been a moment in it. That's made me feel afraid. There yeah. are moments in this though, that I have thought about at night while the lights are off and I'm just sitting there in bed <laughs> until I have to get up. I'm like, I'm turning one light on just one light. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it was it was a solid pick. All right, Alexis, the person that is still not a huge fan of horror. I'm interested because, like I said, horror comics were my gateway drug into this whole messy, stinky genre that we like. <laughs> so I'm interested to hear kind of your thoughts about horror at okay. the beginning of this month. So I will say they're definitely like my thoughts as a whole are definitely better than they used to be. I will tell you right now, when I started dating my boyfriend, Carson, his whole family is, like, obsessed to their core with, like, scary movies. Like, that was their family Mm -hmm. thing. And so we started dating, and he's like, okay, chop, chop. We're going to watch. We're going to binge watch the entire Annabelle and um, what's – oh, the Conjuring series Mm -hmm. because apparently they play into each other. Yeah, Didn't know that. The Conjuring universe. And then, yes, The Conjuring Universe. The cinematic universe. It was awful. It was awful. And I remember, it's funny because, like we kind of said, some things hit you harder than others. And I realized the things that really get my goat are, like, the demons. Can't Mm. do that. If I know Mm -hmm. that, because I kind of teeter on the believing of that. So I'm like, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Or like the new Conjuring movie that came out with the witches. Yeah, that shit's real. We're not messing with that. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so it's just it's just kind of been fun. But like once I've watched them, I'm good. I can go back and watch it. I'll watch it again. I know what's happening. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I thought this comic that we read was really fun. I really enjoyed it. So I feel like it was a good level. To begin with, I kind of forgot it was a comic that was hor- supposed to be horror, if I'm going to be honest, until I was like halfway through. And I was like, oh, wait, this is kind of scary. <laughs> it like oh, dawns like, on you. You're like, I don't feel oh. so good. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, because like, the I'm first story was kind of mellow. And so I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I forgot. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. Um, I mean, they're all short stories. And yeah. I think mm-hmm. she wrote them all just on their own without an, any sense of like building something bigger. But it's good good selection of the the yeah the it has order. like a good progression i was like mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah i looked does. it up and i believe um the story his face all read the one where um the guy kills his brother and he comes back that was actually her first story and that's where she gained her notoriety from online from what i saw so uh, yes so um yeah uh, emily carroll started in web comics and that was a web comic and what's interesting is she talked about how she had to sort of reconfigure it a little bit for the page right because mm-hmm. we're talking about the whole the page turn as like a sense of you know shock um so you know with web comics you're just scrolling down right you scroll down you scroll down and it reveals it that way then you can turn to the next one you scroll down scroll down but obviously it's like a different sense of pace um but i i've read it also as the web comic version and it works really well there too um that was like her first web comic or something like that yeah. wow. that's crazy 
Yeah, it, it's That's crazy it. when you see somebody just nail it, like try one, you know? You're like, oh, <laughs> oh boy. Wish that yeah. was me. You're just Can't good relate. at this. Sometimes I go back and listen to early episodes of this, and I'm like, did I, did I record this in an aquarium? Who made this decision? Literally your dorm room. <laughs> what is going on? Never go back. You should only go back. You should only go back if you're making something that's available online. Go back six months. Don't go back any further than six months. Yeah. Like, or, yeah, the learning curve is very steep. I haven't read any of the stories I've published in like years i mm. refuse absolutely mm. no way yeah um i a little backstory i guess for for us uh we um when dallas pitched me to be on here my original suggestion was aliens dead orbit by james stoko and then i eventually found out that it was out of print and also not available for digital purchase anymore because marvel uh is a horrible uh conglomerate with disney now that is subsuming everything on the internet and if it takes you over it it like the thing it will become you but then also kill you at the same time um yeah, yeah so, the mouse has a stranglehold on the xenomorphs yeah um so i don't had did any of you have a chance to look at that at all i didn't i got outbid I on didn't. ebay i was so mad <laughs> I had to go to my library and I had to enter library alone. It is from somewhere uh -huh. else in Ohio and I'm still <laughs> waiting for it to come in. And I did this like a month ago. <laughs> okay. so. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, it's this a, is why it's a when, when, fruit. I, when I heard that it was going to be difficult. Uh, yeah. I said, let's try something else. But Anna would be really interested to hear what you think of that comic. Absolutely. When you get it. I love um, it so much. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, uh, Alexis thoughts on aliens. Same same gig. We tried to get it, but I try I try less hard until they succeed, and then I try. So okay. Once the the trail has been blazed, you're like, okay, I'll go that way. Yeah, that I much... am very much just here for the ride of the fun of things. So I'm gonna be honest. I usually read the comic. I usually wake up at 6 a.m. and read the comic day of. So I did not do that this time. I read it on Thursday. So nice. I appreciate that. I'm flattered. Because I was really stressed that I wasn't gonna get it. I had to freaking re-download the Kindle app. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, um, and then I know I, I ordered it. I, Can't wait. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I suggested a few other ones. I know, and then you all kind of picked this one from the batch. I forget which which other ones I picked, but um, yeah, I think this is a good choice. I agree. I think yeah. it's something that I wouldn't have read otherwise, and so it makes mm -hmm. me really happy that we ended up picking it. Because from that list that you sent me, I immediately was like, oh, some of my favorites are on here. I'm going to go and I'm going to convince those two to read my favorite things that I already love. And they both immediately gravitated towards this. They're like, oh, that sounds so interesting. And I was a little bit like, hmm, I wanted to read Hellboy. I love doing that too. And I'm very glad we did because this is very much too. not like what we've read before, This, especially mm. the style and the, the way what all the panels saying? are laid out. This is so unique. It reminded me like... um when we were in elementary school, we'd always have like the librarian read us a picture book. She'd like, you know, read the lines and then turn it and show us the pictures. It kind of gave me that vibe. It gave me the vibe of like a children's um, picture book, except, you know, definitely not for children. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll give this to your 12 year old sister for her birthday. Yeah. That's and my I plan overall. I think it really helps with like the, it's almost like a, a collection of really spooky fairy tales. And I really, really yeah, appreciated yeah. that. Yeah. It's like the grim, mm -hmm. the, like the collection of that, but yes. just a little scarier. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is um, uh, it's it's supposed to be for f ages 14 and up, actually, this comic. Really? Um, 
And yeah. I guess it just depends on the 14-year-old that you're giving it to. Because um, it, it does have this sort of, yeah, like you're saying, the fairy tale element. Um, mm-hmm. There's, a, there's, I mean, how many, there's one story with with a, with a young girl. Uh, well, almost all of them are, are with uh, women at the center. But um, younger people, generally speaking. Um, which I think is what's interesting about, I mean, I keep saying what's interesting. The entire thing is interesting. I mean, that's what we're talking about, it, I guess. But um, <laughs> that's uh, what that's us yep. every week. <laughs> that her breakout comic, his face all red, is the only one with a man at the center, mm-hmm. and he's like the most despicable character in right. all the stories, uh, which is really interesting because there's so much of um, these elements of people kind of getting in over their heads to some degree, not always mm-hmm. of their their choosing. Um, yeah, I, let's see. Um, maybe we should go through. I don't know if you want to go through story by story yeah or... yeah let's go. definitely do that let's go through um it i do think that's interesting what you said though that the one that made gave her her notoriety was the one where the main character was sort of the bad guy you know because <laughs> i feel like a lot of these stories happen to these people and that's the mm-hmm. one where he he definitely had the most proactive role that gave me yeah. a very edgar Allan poe like um Oh, I forget which the story with the the beating heart. Um, telltale heart, yeah. There's the telltale heart, telltale yes. Heart. It gave me those vibes. I was thinking about Poe. Mm-hmm. Like how guilt can come back and haunt you. I thought that had some really cool themes there. I I was looking up some interviews with her, um, and uh, one of the quotes that I wrote down here was uh, she was asking about like themes of everything. Um, she's talking about how she's Canadian. Uh, and it's, it says, I was reading Margaret At- the Margaret Atwood book, Survival, and she talks about the main themes in Canadian literature, and it was the same sort of thing, not feeling good enough, isolation, survival. I felt like, oh, maybe that's what is influencing the stories I'm writing. I always tell people that the main themes I see looking back on my work are envy and guilt, and guilt over that envy. Uh, I think that might be because it pairs well with horror. Yeah, so I that's think that's really Yeah. I liked doing my own digging into the different collections she's had. These stories mm-hmm. were all collected because they have something to do with the forest, right? Mm-hmm. And so as somebody that grew up, often going to the forest, growing up right by the mountains, right? There is something terrifying in there a little oh, bit. The woods are mm-hmm. scary as fuck. The, <laughs> the woods are no. scary. And so I like the idea of living right on the edge of the woods and there being something terrifying. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to go to to the Black Forest in Germany. Right. And walking through there, I was like, oh, I can see where these stories came from. Like, yeah. I can see why you wrote about little fairies and dwarves and gnomes that were mean and scary. Like, <laughs> I can feel that during the daytime right here in this place. Mm-hmm. And so. It was very fun to to feel that in this book. Um, transitioning a little bit into the first story. So there's there's the introduction, right? That talks mm-hmm. about being scared of the things in the dark, but our neighbor's house, it was fun as a novice to Little Women, watched that movie for the first time last year. <laughs> it was fun <laughs> reading this and being like, hey, I know what you're riffing on and this is way scarier than that. <laughs> uh, was this the Greta Gerwig oh. Little Women? It was, yeah. Oh. I because I love I Greta love Gerwig, so and so I was like, <laughs> I really like, I like everyone that is in this, so I am gonna go watch it. And my wife was like, 
you got away with being such a dumb boy for so long. You haven't seen Little Women. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. What can I say? Oh, <clears throat> more Fast and Furious movies than I've seen Little Women. I haven't seen Little Women yet either. I need to. Oh, the Greta I have really not watched yet. it. No, I've seen oh, it twice. Yeah. It's oh. so good. Yeah, it was like the one Oscar movie that year I wasn't able to go catch. Mm. 2019 was a good year for movies. It was, and it's great because it was the last year for movies. Yeah. (laughs) Last year of history. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, Venom 2's out. Oh, Oh, okay, no, no, never mind. Parasite, who cares? Wait, did you see 17 move out of the way? Uh, Alexa, did you say you watched it last night? Yep, I went and saw Venom last night. What? How how was it? It was, well, I'll tell you right now, this may be affecting my opinion of the movie, but I had this man who was sitting behind me that was trying to flirt with me the whole movie. Oh, my God. And let's just say he was a solid toe. So it was like, (laughs) and he like had commentary for the whole movie. So I just like was hyper fixated on him talking. And so I want to go rewatch it. You're saying uh, shut down the movie theaters again. (laughs) we watch this movie in peace there is a little part of me that when movies stopped being available immediately for me to watch on my computer again i was like oh dang (laughs) halloween kills halloween kills october 15th hbo max thank you hbo max you liked it it was okay yeah solid seven See, I wasn't a fan of the first one, so I don't feel a huge pull to go watch the second one. I would go watch the second one because I have um, a, a sense that um, there's going to be a lot more coming if you don't watch it. You will. Be yeah, yeah, I heard the spoiler. There's something big. <laughs> At least Google the post credits. Just watch the post credit scene and you'll be fine, Dallas. I actually, the less superhero movies I watch, I think the better for my health. Yes. <laughs> At this point, so... <laughs> The idea of, oh, this credit scene will get you to watch more of these. I'm like, ooh, ooh, that makes it worse, guys. I don't... Reach into your choir. I know. I I realize I'm a giant hypocrite. For years, I've been like, I love these. These are my life. And then in the last six months, all of a sudden, I decided to get holier than thou and be like, no, no way. Sorry, I have to watch horror movies. I'm on number eight of this horror franchise, and that Jeez. is different than number eight of your superhero franchise. Is it Friday the 13th? Because eight is... Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah, it's not, not very good. good. Oh my it's not God. very it's not good, good at all. all. It's not very good at all. <laughs> horror movies are so funny because, like superhero movies, they get sequels in perpetuity, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you'll ask a horror fan, like, "What one should I watch if I want to get started with this franchise?" They're like, "Well, you have to watch them all to get it, but it doesn't get good till like number five. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> oh, that's a that's a big sell. Oh, see, I love the original Halloween. I okay, I love the original one, but they just keep making that damn movie. Just <laughs> let Jamie Lee Curtis die. Just let her die. They did. The new one was good. The she, new one was good. I she died in one. Resurrection. They killed her. Well, she needs to just already, already died before her. <laughs> they, they got rid of that continuity. Do it again. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Through the woods. Through the woods. House, we're saying Little Women Vibes. Yeah, yeah, the my inner Greta Gerwig was pleased reading this. The um, the use of colors throughout this book, I think, is super yes. effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was looking up sort of how she, her artistic process. Um, she uses an, an, an ink nib and sometimes a brush for the inking. And then she does some dry brush uh, ink work with graphite powder. And that's how she does all the, uh, the penciling and the inking for all the lines. And then she colors it on a computer uh, through Photoshop. She's, she does her own computer 
digital coloring and does a lot of like flat colors. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of gradients uh, that are used. Yep. So it gives you this real like sort of um, starkness, like the, the when blood is red, it's just flat red, or you have these flat whites for snow or deep, you know, pitch blacks for darkness. Um, and I think that works really well in uh, this first story because, you know, it's about this sort of encroaching darkness and the omnipresent mm -hmm. cold that's around them. So everything is either like bright white or black, right? And then the blackness sort of creeps in and in and in. And then during the day, it's just white and it's, you know, freezing cold. And you get this like blood red sky, you know, the blood, the, the sun is blood red. Um, it's really cool. It's this, it, it, that really has a great effect on the mood of the comic, mm -hmm. I think. Um, so that's, and it's like probably the simplest of the stories, right? Um, but uh, I really, I really enjoy that with this one. Yeah, I was gonna say the work with shadows here, especially, is just so impressive, and it's so like encroaching that you feel it in every panel that in the house. You just feel so uncomfortable, and it just gets worse and worse as the story goes on, and it gets to the point where the the um the man shows up and you start seeing him in parts of the house. And I had to go back a couple times. I looked closely into those shadows. I'm like, did she sneak him in here? Did she sneak him in there? I was mm -hmm. trying to find this guy and see yeah. if he showed up in more than just the obvious couple places he showed up. It was. I love it when a story does that. I love it when it makes me go back and try to catch something to see if there was something there that I didn't see before. And the flats really work. That I think the most haunting page in this entire book, other than maybe the last story with the wolf, is just the lone girl walking across the snowy plains at night toward the lone house and the blood red. Um, I think it's, is it supposed to be the sun or is it supposed to be the moon? I always interpret it as like a blood red moon in the background. Yeah, it's hard to that say. Way. Yeah, but um, no, I agree. I love that image. It's so cool. Um, I think that it set a really great tone as the first mm -hmm. story in the series, you know, because I feel like these little girls could be the star of any of the stories, you know, and there was something about like the rosy cheeks and the imposing shadows and everything with red being such an ominous color in the story. Mm -hmm it was always compelling to me to see like they were so red in the face from the cold, you know, because mm -hmm. something from the outside of the house was coming in and making them visibly worse off. You know what I mean? I thought that it was a really neat use of, of the elements and making again, the man show up in the house. Like Anne said, it was so compelling. I think it really hit me that I was going to like these stories when I, when he was under the bed, you know, yeah. You could see just his hand and his hat under the bed. I, I again, like Anne said, I went back to go mm -hmm. and investigate. And it made it so terrifying when she just got the hat put on her and she got brought into the house and choosing to cut right there and let, sort of like we said earlier, my imagination do so many more scary things than I think even the comic could do, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's a theme that pops up a lot in these stories is choosing to cut the story at the right moment for me then to fill in the gaps for however scary I want to make it. Yeah. You know, I think it's a, a problem with horror when writers try to describe too much or explain too much. I love stories like this where you don't know what the monster is or what the monster is supposed to be. It just exists. You know it's bad. You know it's coming to get you. And that's all you really need to know because, like, the more you understand about something, the less scary it gets. Like, you could tell me that the story was, like, about a vampire, and all of a sudden, a lot of that, like, element of, like, suspense gets lifted away because, like, 
I okay, I know what a vampire is. I know what they do. I know what they want. I know what their weaknesses are. And that's just not something as scary as just whatever your mind can make because you don't know what the thing is. And that's what puts you in the corner. That takes the power away from you. And I think that's what really sells just about every single story in this because I don't think a single monster in here is really explained. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that the the ambiguity, the lingering questions. Mm-hmm. Um, my interpretation of this story is that the the man is is the personification of death, right? Uh, to me, and uh, yeah, so I think that that's an interesting that one by one they're taken, and it's sort of he's there, he's just lingering in the corners, and um, yeah. Say so maybe not just death, but also like the acceptance of it, because mm-hmm. they go in order of like expecting like their father to come home and just like how long it takes for denial to like finally claim them and for them to get over it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wait, these books have themes. Yeah. No, you wouldn't. (laughs) We spent a week talking about a dragon sucking its own dick and now we're onto this. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little Uh, deeper. It's called balance. Perfectly balanced. That was, uh, was that for the latest Spider-Man book that you were talking about? Yeah, exactly. It was actually the kindred story. Oh, no. oh, that's how Kindred ended. Yeah. Yeah, you missed yeah. it. It's it was great. No, I read that final. I re- I haven't read any of that run. I read that final issue. And was like, hmm, real bad. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. skimmed it. I skimmed it looking for one thing in particular, and when it didn't happen, I'm like, ha, this sucks. I I hate I hate red. I'll admit. I basically that whole run. I hate red, and I shouldn't have done that to myself. But life's too short. Here we are. It really is. I was like, there are good books that I'm not reading, so I can be upset about Kindred. I what? really what? appreciate the people that like that run. I really appreciate them because they've had to go through some shit. <laughs> God, God bless them. Read the original Hobgoblin saga instead of Scooby Doo Hobgoblin. Alexis, oh. thoughts on Kindred? Yeah. <laughs> Any big thoughts? See, she doesn't that have to. She doesn't read bad comics. Nope. <laughs> I only read what he nice. tells me to. All right. Well, then you gotta put some bad comics in, in on this podcast. I will. I'm gonna oh, start we got some on the in. list. What do we got? Don't well, spoil my opinion it. Don't of spoil bad it. comics might be different than Dallas's opinion. Yeah. Don't. Of bad you, when you when you give her the comic, you can't say this is a bad one. You just gotta say like, here you go. We just like Enjoy. we just bait her. We're like, here, read read this. Like uh, a Watch fan of the show. Like it really wants us to do the clone saga for an episode. Oh, I'm like, wow. I'm I'm not interested <laughs> I in doing the clone saga. I'm going to quit. When I was provide, you know, proposing comics, I gave you shorter comics. I did not give you three years of a, of a run that covers four different series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. And I'll, I'm also very good talking about just good short comics, you know, reading... Something that's able to weave a compelling story with stakes in a handful of pages instead of a hundred issues of Nick Spencer's Spider-Man. <laughs> but moving away from Scooby-Doo, see, it seems mean to Scooby-Doo to say that. But when they pulled off the mask the third time from Kindred to be like, this is what he really is. I was like, oh, gosh, end it all. Send this book down the river. Um, moving on, what did you all think of A Lady's Hands Are Cold? I I like this one a lot. I like the idea when like I realized it was horror. supposed to be scary. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one I love the colors for, and I also love this is where the like lettering started to get really, really interesting, especially when the songs came in and just the way that the words like float through the page. 
mm-hmm. that was that was really unique. I like that a lot. And it's so it feels so different from the last one. Where I'm like, okay, we're in for we're in for a treat here. This was a good change of pace. And God, there's there's not a story in here I don't love and I'm not gonna gush over. So just apologies ahead of time. <laughs> I really like this because I think one of my favorite genres of horror is sort of domestic horror, right? I love the original Halloween, the idea that the suburbs are scary. There's something in the suburbs, right? I love Psycho. And I feel like this one for me was like, oh, it's very scary to be this girl brought into this whole separate world where she doesn't really have a connection to the other characters. The the husband is a very abstract figure on the outside. And there's this idea like the house in this world is going to eat her up as a bride, right? And leave mm-hmm. her as a sad, cold husk. And I thought that it was told in a very compelling way where that was certainly there, but then there was just the visceral horror of there's a body in your walls. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I thought it was excellent. Yeah. Well, that's actually kind of crazy because this story, while I was reading it, reminded me so much. And I almost wonder if like, they were based off of each other or whatever, but there's a movie that came out on Netflix last year called Rebecca, which is kind of rude, like spooky because the last stories, her name is Rebecca. And so that's a little spooky, but it's basically this exact story just in a movie and it's so good. So you guys should watch it. It's not like super scary, but it's like the thought kind of what we're talking about. Like, Oh, that's a little bit eerie. Yeah. I think that's a remake so uh, of a Hitchcock movie that came out in like the the 50s so yeah yeah I think they just redid it so mm-hmm. it's it's quite good um yeah uh and like what you're talking about with the dialogue the the every all the the words all the written words um uh, she never writes in speech bubbles right right in any of the comics so you get um them written right into the art and they feel really cohesive um and I think that's really interesting especially uh, in this story, because, yeah, the words are like coming from the walls or from the floor or when you get like when it really climaxes, you get like the big red, you know, swipes across the pages. Right. This like mm-hmm. it's not literally supposed to be blood, but obviously it looks like blood as this, you know, the the corpse is talking to her and everything. I think it's really effective. And like you were talking about with like the the rosy cheeks of our neighbor's house, like I think the the color of your lead here is really important too, because she starts out rosy cheeks and bright eyes and looking very normal, and she's totally drained by the end, so that she looks like the the dead, uh, the dead woman at, at the end of the comic, where her eyes are now all sunken in and she's blue. Um, now her hands are cold. I think is really interesting. Is she's escaped from this experience, but you know she's you know completely like hollowed out. Uh, by everything yeah Mm -hmm. it just sort of happens slowly over time you get like it's like but yeah by the time she's like digging up the body like her eyes are all like sunken in but she still has like the red cheeks but that eventually goes away too and i think it's really interesting um whereas like this one kind of explains more like you kind of get everything that's going on you know, um, even if they're not saying exact reason why the the corpse is alive, but you kind of get the 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 truth behind the mystery. But then you get this, you're left off on like just like it just ends, you know, with like this, right? You know, horrible fate, kind of. Yeah, she's been through some shit. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> 
I think obviously the use of red is very interesting, but I'd love to hear what you think about the use of blue in this story because the color palette for so many stories is black, white, red, but I think blue pops up a lot in this. And Yellow as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll just start naming colors as well. I yeah, think there's I'm also... Saying, it's just compared <laughs> to the other stories, this is the only one that utilizes... Okay, fine. Her yellow dress, yes. yes. No, no, yes. no, no, no you're, you're right. You're correct. Ignore Dallas. <laughs> I'm just being a dick. You're right, and it's funny. Um, I just, it seems like there's a lot of blue tied up with the man in the house, right? The walls are blue. The floors are blue. And I think it's interesting. The ghoul is blue. She becomes yeah. blue at the end. It's the her life gets sucked out and replaced with the color of this life that she's become a part of. And it's mm -hmm. personified by the completely blue and gray glue yeah. in the walls. And like it makes sense because like she's brought into this life and blue is just naturally a very cold color and it's a life she doesn't want to be a part of. So it makes sense that it's just associated with him and everything that revolves around him and the castle and the road that she has to go on and yeah. I think also just the scene of him, there's very much something about like teeth in all of these stories, how Emily <laughs> Carroll draws teeth <laughs> makes me like squiggy on the inside. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't yeah, like those no, no, little no. chicklets. But uh, it's interesting to see him gobbling up his steak, right? He gobbles up all of this red and it seems like a turning point in the story towards more and more and more blues. Mm -hmm. like, well, um, I realized that that made me think of that. I think this story is partially inspired by the tale of Bluebeard, um, oh, which is... I don't know that's uh, right. It's a, a wealthy man who murders his wives one after another until we follow the story of one trying to avoid that fate. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very mm. much a, an influence here. Um, and she's talked about that she's used a lot of different yeah. fairy tales to as inspiration, but still she makes it her own thing. So the blue of that is, I think, her kind of giving you a little nudge mm -hmm. of, uh, hey... Blue's in the name of that other story, so. Yeah, and you want me to defend my yellow for a second? Because everything blue is his, everything yellow is hers, and it's something completely missing from her by the end of the story. It's something she's completely lost after this whole ordeal. So, yeah, yellow matters, Dallas. Thank you very much. You're right, and it is compelling. <laughs> I just had to give you a hard time. I know, and I'm going to keep giving you a hard time back. That's the price you pay. <laughs> I think it's interesting to make, I mean, the warmth and the cold of the two colors is interesting mm -hmm. as well. I don't think it would work quite as well even if it was black and white, you know, I think mm -hmm. to have temperatures attached to those stories is really important. Um, I think Alexis wanted to go take care of her dog, but if we... <laughs> we can just leave? Yeah, yeah if, if yeah, you want to go, it. just get the up show's and, over. and go. That's great. Well, my, my computer's dying. I need to go get my charger. I'm just going to leave. All right, so anyway, we're okay, just, Matt's gone. we'll just vamp. So welcome to the Ann and Del show, where we talk about oh. Fard and that dragon from Saga. Oh my God, um, again, <laughs> every week it's the same thing. Okay, I know we keep going back to colors, but I'm flipping back between this story and the next one, and mm -hmm. the use of like just plain flats in this one versus how it's definitely much more, much more gradient in the next one. I think that again, goes back to show that these are meant to convey those tones, those temperatures, and those feelings through the story. And I think that's this one's big highlight is I just, I don't get to talk about coloring a lot. So like the one time I feel like I can, I'm going to like milk it because I feel smart. Oh, it's <laughs> Let, true. Let her rip. Uh, something I've been thinking a lot about actually is changing colors 
Because uh-huh. I recently recommended a friend read The Saga of the Swamp Thing by Alan Moore. Yes. And mm-hmm. they, to my chagrin, they decided to recolor that for the Absolute Editions. Really? And it's like a very painterly style now mm-hmm. that I abhor. I think it, <laughs> I don't like it very much at all. Is it like that? Is it on the digital copies too, or is it just the print absolutes? I'm not sure. I haven't. I just have the old trade paperbacks, Got so it. I haven't gone I to, to investigate more. But I've only read digital. I think were, that. Were we talking about Dragon Felatio again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get right back to that. No, I was talking about the recoloring of the Saga of the Swamp Thing for the Absolute Editions. Oh, I, I, yeah. It bothered me, and I didn't like I, it. I don't have that. I just have them in their collections that they did right before yes and I, I saw some of that coloring was like no i don't really like that at all but um i have the re, the simonson thor omnibus mm-hmm. and that has a recoloring but i think that works really well yeah i i like that as well it's interesting we've just been talking so much about the colors in these stories and so the instinct to change the colors in these big long runs but for these collections is very interesting to me because sometimes it's okay, like Simon and Thor. But I think, for instance, Morrison and Porter's JLA was hurt by the recoloring. Or I think Swamp Thing was hurt by recoloring. I think that everyone's going to reject the Swamp Thing recoloring, honestly. like not, I don't like it at all. <laughs> no, I don't. I think that was a mistake. Like, especially when you, like, again, coloring regarding mood and horror. Like, mm-hmm. they were drawn and colored to be a certain way to convey certain moods. And when you totally throw that out the window, like, yeah. Oh, I forgot to close my door. <laughs> I'm going to leave again. Perfect. And oh, God, I just looked up the recoloring. It's not good. No, it's not. It's not. Throw it away. It's very painterly, and I don't think it conveys the mood very well. I do... I think moving into the next mm-hmm. story that we're going to cover... There is a lot more of a gradient of color than there are in these first two. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, even just the introduction of a sort of a peach color to to the skin of these characters in his face all red. The coloring seems to be a lot more, a lot less stylized, if that makes sense. Like, it's still significant. There are still things going on, but it doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be quite as monochromatic as the other it is more earthy. It's more earthy, right? Yeah, that's a little bit more realistic. Um, should we talk about this one now that we're yeah yeah all yeah. settled? <laughs> all right, now that we've all done musical chairs, I'm gonna get up and leave just for the rest <laughs> of the show. But I'll come back later. I think it's interesting that this is her first story. I would love to know the chronology of all the stories in the collection to sort of see style evolve. But I know the the rest were written for this collection. Oh, okay, okay so cool. She had that webcomic came out in 2010, mm-hmm. uh, and I think this collection was published in 2014. Yes, mm-hmm. originally. Yes, so, and I know she had other web comics come out between the two, but the popularity of that and her continued popularity got her a book deal, and so the deal was for her to repurpose his face all red and then write original stuff for the rest. So I think that's partially why you can see this one standing out a little bit more uh, from the others. Even um, her figure work is a little bit different in that one versus the (laughs) others. Like when you look at um, our lead's face, a lot of times his mouth drops out. 
um, from that. Not really something that she does otherwise with her figures. Um, she uses a lot more negative space um, mm-hmm. in this one too. Smaller panels. Um, she doesn't uh, use any borders on panels too, which I think is interesting. It gives it a more painterly look, mm-hmm. and the allows the darkness to sort of creep in more um, because so many of the the pages are you know flat black that they're against, and they provide the border, but also become sort of the they seep into the panel at times too. It, it really helps the tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you all think of this one? I definitely think that it's interesting to see this one as a webcomic. You know, even just yeah. looking at these, the last page is the descent down into the cave. Mm-hmm. I can see how that would work as I was scrolling. It's yeah. interesting to see it translated onto the page. Um, I think this is the one I was the least compelled by, but that's not to say that it's not also interesting and good. I feel like I got caught up in the mystery of this one, you know? I was genuinely shocked when, spoiler for the story, but mm-hmm. when the body was still at the bottom of the cave, you know, I kept wanting to figure out with the character what on earth is going on. I want to know how this guy's here. Something spooky is happening. Yeah. And I feel like it left me with the most questions out of the stories, which I found compelling. Right. I, I really, I really, really like this. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put this at the bottom. I'm not sure what my favorite is. Uh, I think I know my least favorite, uh, but we haven't talked about it yet. Um, and uh, that, I think that ending is just so perfect, though. Um, and when you think about this being like her breakout hit, it was breakout at Halloween, actually. Halloween in like 2010. Um, this was like circulated around a lot. And this is just a perfect, scary story. Um and I just think that ending, <laughs> there's this sense of like, all the stories, there's the sense of inevitability, right? To all of them. Like, you get this hint that something terrible, you know, is going to happen and inevitably it's going to happen. But even when it happens, it's it's not explainable. Like, there is the sense of the unknown that isn't ever really explained. Say, I think I might be in the same camp that Dallas is here with this one, where it's like the unexplainedness really intrigues me but i think it might be the least compelling to me it's i like the the flavor it has it has like gothic element to it it makes me think of like the legend of sleepy hollow and stuff like that a lot of these stories do and that's like that's where i live that was one of my first like horror loves ever so that's like that hits me right right where it matters and Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to think about it as a webcomic because i didn't know until a couple minutes before the show started that that's what it originally was Mm -hmm. and i want to go back and i want to see if i like it better as a webcomic and see if that makes the pacing feel a little bit better. It's yeah. just, I think when I brought up the that this reminds me a lot of the Telltale Heart, Heart earlier, I think it's like, I don't know, maybe it's just something that felt too familiar for it about the story for me. It's just like the others felt so completely original, and I actually had to think about the theme for a little bit. This one just kind of felt kind of obvious where the theme lies and like what the point of the story is. And I think that when it leaves me just wondering what the monster is and not like what the story is supposed to symbolize, I think that takes a little bit away from it for me personally. Mm-hmm. I think Alexis, that... what did you think? Dallas is wait your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas talks all the damn time. Um, but no, I, I wouldn't put this one as my last one. Same kind with you, Matt. Um, it's not my favorite for sure, but um, I thought it was good. I liked seeing. I could also kind of tell it was a little bit different than the other ones while I was reading through. I was like, okay, this 
has kind of a different feel and a different look to it than the other stories before. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel like it was really eerie to see like, oh, this terrible, terrible thing happened and I did this. And then all of a sudden, like he's back. Like, oh, oh my goodness. All right. That's a little like, ooh. Like I can, I, it was funny because like I understood like his mindset of like, oh my goodness. Like, is he going to say something? He hasn't said anything. <laughs> like, is what's going on? And so it just like puts the seed of like, is this actually what we think it is? Like what's going on? So it was just kind of a fun like progression of thought throughout the story of like what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And then we get the ending of and then it just ends like we get yeah. the little like snippet and then it's over. And I'm like, oh, OK, like this yeah. is the one that I was like, oh, wait, wait, I'm not done. Like, I'm not done. Keep going a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. More. It just it, it but it, it, that that like that, it is still the perfect like cut. Yes, right it there. is perfect. It's scary. It's just because it ends boom right there, you know, yeah. which is great. Um, that was my favorite and I, part. I just love that that turn, you know, half face, yeah. his face still all red. Yeah. His nose did make me think of the Earl of Lemongrab from Adventure Time, but um, yes. <laughs> but again, the figure work here is a little bit different than what she usually does. Yeah. Like those exaggerated features are just a little bit. I mean, she has a um, a cartoonish style, right? Which is great for the the sort of the talking about this being a little bit okay for a younger, slightly younger audience. You know, that goes along well with it. But um, this story is more cartoony, right? Everything's a little bit more exaggerated from reality. Dallas, you were going to say something before I so rudely cut you off? Uh, no, I'm just going to pout now. But <laughs> I, I just wanted to say, like, it's so much fun to talk about these stories because horror is something that can convey so many themes in a sneaky way. Does that make sense? I've been thinking a lot about the work of of Grant Morrison recently from something like Animal Man to something like Klaus, right? Surprising. Where they're both they're both very personal works, right? But one sort of wears its autobiography and theme on its sleeve and the other one buries it a little bit. And I think good horror, which I think this book is, tells a really compelling story that you can just get caught up in and enjoy. But then if you think more about there is there are layers and depth to it, right? And so even though this story didn't speak to me as much as the other ones, it's still one that is fruitful for me to read through and think about and consider the themes of. And I think that's some of the magic of horror as a genre. I mean, plug for for Matt. I said saxophone guy, but Matt is a very excellent YouTube YouTuber. <laughs> and he's, a, he's an excellent YouTube. Um, Thank you. I love I, being YouTube. Yeah, you're a great video too. aggregate that no one has any issues with. But I I just watched your Universal Monsters video that came out on Patreon. And oh, that was something that my wife was listening to in the background while we were cleaning the apartment. And she's like, oh, this is so compelling. I didn't think about these movies in this way. You know? Oh, that's awesome. It's Yeah, so plug for Matt. You're very good at what you do. But it's only a dollar a month for Patreon. For early access to every video and exclusive audio reviews only on Patreon. <laughs> bingo baby <laughs> and i think that's so cool that's what makes this time of month so magical for me i i've sort of made a rule for myself that i cram all the horror into october and it was because i'm someone that gets very excited for holidays and it's made this whole month special because like oh i get to take part in some of the best stories this month stories mm -hmm. that are really going to make me think really going to 
not be 75 issue Spider-Man stories I don't really like. Like I don't have time for stories that I don't really love because there's so many I'm catching up on in October, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that this was a very fun way to start the month because I mean, as people can see sitting at an hour mark in halfway through this book, every single one of these stories has something that we can dig into and talk about and walk away with more in our mind than just the events of the story. So. Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with like well done horror that has like nothing more to say besides like boo, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, as long as it's well done, right? Like my favorite horror movie of all time, one of my favorite movies ever is Evil Dead 2. That has nothing to say about life. <laughs> like it's got nothing going on underneath the surface, but it's such an excellent, well-made film that I can watch it like every month. doesn't matter the time of year. I, just, I love that movie so much, but it's such a great ride. But it has nothing to say. But there is so much that, yeah, you can put into horror. Um, uh, I'm going to derail us real quick. Uh, have any of you ever read uh, Flex Mentalo by Grant Morrison? I love that book. Okay. Uh, yeah, because you're talking about the sneaking in the autobiography. And uh, Flex Mentalo is like the most pure like autobiography mm -hmm. of Grant Morrison. Um, my, I did a video on that like years ago. And it was so fun to... Because that's like every every Morrison comic is sort of gramping like, here's your doorway into my mind. Mm -hmm. And that is like that his brain is like fully open. Mm -hmm. It's all there. And you just and the, <laughs> the first time I read it, I was like, what the hell is going on? Uh, yeah. And then I read it again. I was like, I think I got it. And I read it again. I was like, OK, I got it. Um, but it took a while to get there. <laughs> Something that I really I just recently did um, the, the comic book critic Ritesh. He and I mm -hmm. talk about Grant Morrison, and he said, oh, you're reading Super Gods. Make sure to read Flex Metallo right when you're done with Super Gods, when it's still fresh mm -hmm. in your mind. Mm -hmm. And to anybody with a lot of time and desire to know Grant Morrison, <laughs> I would recommend that, that order of events because you learn a lot about Grant and what they think is important about superheroes. And Flex Metallo, I feel like, is the perfect distillation of of a Grant Morrison comic. And I don't I think it is an excellent superhero comic. I I always point to the page where Flex fighting the multi-headed kryptonite monster. And mm -hmm. I was like there isn't a logo on here but you know this is superheroes. Just stare just looking at this page with no recognizable characters you're like something superhero-y is going on here. Uh we're losing Anne and Alexis so we should move on to my friend we, Anna. We are. <laughs> you can see no, the interest saying... Like just seeping out of the ears about grant morrison you know no, just... do your thing <laughs> i was They're looking at too, the comic i'm too, too, too smooth brain for this you could I can't see do grant morrison you could see their their eyes hollow their skin begin to blue yeah. <laughs> as grant morrison My sucks so the life cold. out of them <laughs> <laughs> i agree we should move back to what we're here to talk about my friend jana is it jana 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 my friend JJ, I don't know. <laughs> My dinner and with J. Jonah Jameson. Demon. So this is my least favorite of the stories. I, I was going to guess. I was going to say this one probably was. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What did you all think of it? Not that I think it's bad at all. It kind of seemed a little out of place to me in like the mashup of all of them. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. That might just it's... be me. 
it's curious. I don't think I loved it, but it has been the one that I've thought about the most because I still don't mm. think I've like completely clicked with what the meaning of it was. Yeah. I yeah, I think it's it, it kind of takes these like multiple turns in what its narrative is about. Mm-hmm. And when it started with seances. Right. And then the turn that, you know, she's helping her fake the seances, I was like, that's interesting. And then we move away from that real fast. And obviously, you know, there's this spirit that's haunting, you know, her friend, uh, Jay something, uh, that um, has come from that. Obviously, they were able to to touch the other side and something is, has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it sort of becomes this mystery of, you know, what's happening with her friend. But I was more... I was more into like that idea of the seances and faking them. Um, and obviously this idea of like something bad is obviously going to happen. But once that kind of stopped being part of the actual like narrative, I was a little less compelled by it. It's like, oh, go for it, Dallas. No, you don't. Oh my gosh. It's like there's <laughs> aspects about it that I do like. I do like that's the idea of something after they quit the seances, that something's hanging around them, whether it's, you know, guilt or regret because they were, you know, playing people pretending to offer something they couldn't actually provide. I like that aspect of it. And I like the fact that the um, thing that's haunting her, if you look at the page where there's like all the sketches, it looks like that cross section of a flower petal. I have no idea what that means, but I've just noticed <laughs> that that's a consistent shape. Yeah. And it's, I really like that you can see the things heartbeat. It gives this really weird, like um, it reminds me of like almost like a fetal sort of like, it makes my skin tingle a little bit. It's like, <laughs> I, I, I don't like that. I, I just don't like yeah. that visual. You can but, see the, the veins. Yeah, I definitely do agree that it just like, it takes that turn and it completely abandons what happened at the beginning. And I think that's why the message of it doesn't completely work. It's because it feels like two different stories split right too soon. Uh-huh. And I don't think it lets that moment breathe as long as it should. I realize what the thing makes me think of. It uh, it looks like chaos from Sonic Adventure. Oh my God! <laughs> Anyone Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast? I'm googling. That no, that that is. You're gonna have to I look up all Sonic the forms guy. of chaos in oh, Sonic shit. Adventure. <laughs> no, no, I see it. I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> the the more earlier the veiny stuff and all that sort of thing and it's cre- creepy image of of looking through the window with like that thing like the veins like going through her like eyes and mouth and everything is and then she's gone it's really interesting and then the the end stinger of that she's you know the the thing is now with her and wrapping around her um sort of makes me think of like ideas of depression you right. know um it haunting you sort of feeling like this invisible weight around you to some mm-hmm. degree um but yeah uh, the i I kind of lose the thread just a little bit. I think so I feel too. like it was the least effective cut for the horror of the stories, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like all of these stories so far, I've been like, oh, I want more. And then I feel like they hit that point with this one, and they're like, and here are three more pages. And mm-hmm. it sort of just peters out at the end. Um, as far as further themes go, I mean, the the page of like the scribbles from her friend Right. Gave me very big, like, Georgia O'Keeffe vibes. Mm-hmm. And I very much... It felt like a spurned lover thing to me. It felt like there was something there, and then the friend decided not 
to participate. Like it doesn't basically like somebody decided, no, we're just going to be friends. And <laughs> it, yeah. it went sour. That was sort of the vibe I got from it. I don't know. It's, I didn't scratch that itch very much. I was just like, oh, it's weird. Cause like, um, I don't get what the, the cross section here is, but it is where it went like big brain for a second. I started over analyzing the poem on that second page. Um, I got as far as like, oh, this is iambic um, tetrameter. That's really cool. And then I'm like, I have no idea what it's supposed to mean, but I, I know the rhyming scheme. I know the, um, I can find the rhythm. That's about it. Whatever else is here, I can't, I can't uncover it. Yeah, I just going straight from the the Georgia O'Keeffe flowers to this panel of the friend that's haunted by the spirit, like very dramatically, mm -hmm. like pulling away from that's the person they had been so close with the whole story. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot there. I don't think it necessarily has to be any one particular reason why two friends become distant. But it, to me, it feels like the spirit represents an outside force that's coming between two people that had always been close. But then with that thread, I don't then know why it's significant that the spirit attached itself to the person that felt spurned. I don't know. This one seems a little muddier for me. Well, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it too much, but uh, Emily Carroll is a lesbian. So if there's ideas of, you know, same-sex attraction and sort of, you know, the will they want there, the romance. I mean, this would be the story that would play into that the most because mm -hmm. yeah. all the other ones are, are don't really have the room for that in them. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm pulling on nothing, but that's that's the vibe I got from it. That's well, I, I just like comics. that comics, do you, do you like comics? No, I was going to say, that's the fun of comics. It can be whatever <laughs> the hell you want it to be. That's true, especially these. I think that yeah. Carol is like, talked about that she doesn't want to always explain everything. Yeah. And I think there's definitely something to that. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so... I, no, go for, Okay, go. No, don't let Dallas interrupt you. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a lot of comics I read through a queer lens, and I had no idea that Emily Carroll was a lesbian. It's like, this is, it's funny, because this is one of the few stories I didn't try to read through a queer lens. I just tried mm -hmm. reading it straight on. And I kind of want to go back and reread the story now that you said that. <laughs> but that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Well, yeah. look at me, everyone. Turn it around on the story we like the least. <laughs> I go, just congratulate myself off mic for a little that's, while. That's what we do. We're here to like things, not hate them. Um, I do want to move into the nesting place, though, because it was my yes. favorite. Yes, that one was the best. It's really messed up. It's easily oh, the yeah. most messed up. <laughs> I am a huge sucker for body horror. Like, yep. I, mm -hmm. I'm a very big fan. I love the work of Junji Ito. I love The Thing, I love, I have loved every bit of body horror someone brings in front of me, I'm like, ah, it's good soup, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so for the final and longest story of the bunch, to dive into that familiar territory for me was a very big relief. Um, I'd love to hear though, instead of dominating a conversation, I'd love to hear what everyone else thought of, of this last story. <laughs> Me. Uh, okay. Yeah, Lexi, go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I thought it was good. I feel like it started off kind of we so we get our main character, the little schoolgirl. She's going to off to live with her older brother and his fiance that she's never met. Um, and we get this kind of interesting like beginning group of 
um, panels where we see her with her mom. And basically like what I got from that is like her mom explaining to her, like, yeah, there's some pretty whack shit in this world. Like prep yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. And cause we got get the story about like the scary things that her mom used to tell her when she was growing up before her mom passed away. And I feel like that kind of plants the seed of her being suspicious of her brother's fiance, like right out the get go. Like, I kind of felt like she just automatically was like, you give me the willies. Like, I don't like you. And she kind of, I feel like she was kind of looking for a reason to not like the Rebecca character, the, the fiance. And it was just kind of interesting to like see her pick apart the story and like get to the heart of it. Cause we get like the, um, the interaction with the, housekeeper lady the maid how she's like don't you go wandering off into the freaking woods or so help me we'll leave you out there (laughs) but (laughs) i don't know it was just it was there's a lot like there's a lot to take in and we kind of get the progression of bringing back the color like same thing with the color like it's kind of bright in the beginning when she gets to the house and then it just slowly gets sucked out of all the panels Mm -hmm. when she starts to click into what's going on so this definitely feels like the synthesis of all the other stories before it i see elements of his face was all red i see elements of each story coming together to make one grand story of all of those themes tied up in a lovely body horror package Mm -hmm. it was very fun yeah it's the imagery in this one is probably my favorite because, like you said, I like that body horror. I like that, like, Junji Ito-like factor that you have. And just the image. I keep going back to the one image where she's talking to um the main character in the bed. And her face, like, from her mouth, her lips just, like, peel back over her face. And it's like, this is this is the good shit. I'm here for this. <laughs> I'm living right now. I mean, you're you're about to not be living, but I'm living right now. So... <laughs> I love the idea that this is just the thing that found her in the cave and is now wearing her skin. That is just like chef's kiss, like beautiful. (laughs) This is where, this is horror where I live. So very, very happy with it. Oh, and you talked earlier about the teeth, just the way the teeth move. It makes me so uncomfy. It's just like, hate it. No, thank you. I'm okay. I can like hear them. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. It makes my mouth feel funny. Yeah, especially when it's like right next to the, the sh- I don't know what it is, just a shot with the fork right there. I'm like, I don't like that. I don't like the idea of these <laughs> like like little fingers pulling food off the fork. I don't like that. No, thank you. Yeah, uh, that um, that reveal of her, the full page reveal. Yes. Uh, in the cave is just it's total nightmare fuel. You know the loose eyes and the loose teeth and yeah all the these tendrils coming out and. Yeah, it's very effective. And then, yeah, again, like you're saying, uh, afterward, as she's opening up her face and all this sort of stuff, and the way that her like mouth is just like moving and changing, and the teeth are moving in and out, and all that sort of stuff is like horrifying and and um, very effective. Like it's it's easily the grossest thing in the entire book, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it works really well, but. Um, I think the the conclusion is really effective too, where the way she gets out is talking to her about the life yes. in the city. 
you know, and talking about the gr- the grief, you know, because at the beginning, it's the the whole thing with the mom's talking about the worst thing of the monsters they burrow inside you and hollow you out from the inside, right? And you get this literal uh, version with this monster getting inside you, hollowing you out. But then the idea of grief being the other, you know, monster that hollows you out from the inside. And, you know, that she is dealing with her own monster within her, too. And presenting the reality of that to this thing is enough to scare her off. It's scarier than what this monster would be. It's like the big sad is scarier than the monster is. That's the Baba Duke. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a Um, second. No one has thought of this before. I think we're on to something. (laughs) I was going to say, like, this is the longest story by far. And I also think it has the best characterization. Mm-hmm. And I, that goes for the monster too. Like you don't get too often where the main character sits down and actually talks things out with the monster, and they both kind of have this moment, this like aha moment, where it's like she's like aha, I figured out a way out of this, and the monster's like ah, maybe I shouldn't leave. <laughs> maybe things yeah. are okay here. <laughs> World domination really isn't for me. I'm okay. <laughs> and I thought that was so compelling because you don't see it where the antagonist changes like that in a horror story that often and sometimes you do and it's just like the fake out which is what i was afraid the ending would be but i don't think it is i think it's just the unsettling notion that that thing is inside him as well i think Mm -hmm. the i i don't think it dilutes that moment with rebecca but i just thought that was really interesting that's a great little final reveal with him Mm -hmm. and the teeth the teeth clacking the teeth oh my god yeah yeah i i the 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 optimistic part of me is like you know she she's gone she's fine she goes back home and you know let doesn't visit her brother again but um yeah (laughs) she decides to go across the ocean instead of home for the holidays because they're scary worm people at home oh is that do you have something to tell us dallas is this why you're going to paris (laughs) twice if you need help yeah this is (laughs) i'm gonna let you all know i this is the story that felt like it validated all the fears I had as a kid. And those are always fun for me, right? I, 100%, if I saw like a big dark cave in the woods, I had friends that would be like, let's go explore it. And I was like, I would rather die than go into that spooky cave. Are you insane? I was a very timid child. And so horror that validates that fear is always fun for me. Like, yeah, see, if you went into that cave, there is something so scary in there. And worms and creepy crawlies have always been very not great for me. I don't like them very much at all. And so... If there's one thing I learned from reading 100 issues of Spawn by Todd McFarlane, it's that (laughs) worms are the ultimate embodiment of evil. And if you really need to charge up your evil powers again, you need to bathe in them. But if you're not evil like Spawn and powered by pure necroplasm, you shouldn't stay. You should stay away from them. Spawn facts. That makes Hashtag sense. I bet Dallas's irrational fear started from all the centipedes that would appear in our basement. Oh, gross. oh 100%. Up. Yeah, yeah. growing up. My we'll mom used to make me go clean out window wells when I was being like an annoying 10-year-old, mm-hmm. right? Which She's was like, time. She's like, go outside and stop being annoying. And so I'd have to go and clean these leaves and all the centipedes would like crawl up out of the leaves. It was it was nightmare fuel. Yeah. I was like, I told my mom years later, I was like, you realize that was like psychological terror, right? She's like, I thought I was just giving you chores. I was like, no, I was out there having formative experiences. <laughs> like, because <laughs> you never said anything. 
You are such a, you are so dramatic. You never said anything. Oh, you know, that's the, I keep forgetting that you grew up out west. your origin story. I I think like Ohio centipedes, which are like less than an inch long. I'm like, oh, centipedes are fine. Y'all got the the scary motherfuckers out there. Ones you can see their eyeballs. Yeah. (laughs) Y'all got the death peeds out there. (laughs) Got that mountain stuff where they come crawling out. You're like, oh, no. No, no. Why did people stop here? Keep going to California. It was just a few more weeks. This is not the place. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, that's like one of the state models. Like, this is the place. And I was like, were you guys just tired? It is not the place. What are you talking about? The only water here is salty. Keep going. There's a whole ocean here. Keep we going. We are the descendants of the quitters. 100%. 100%. Well, they should put that on the flag. Like, they got tired. But yeah, so the idea of worms getting inside you and then inhabiting you mm-hmm. hit like a very specific note for me that I was like, oh, yep, that is spooky. No, thank you. Ooh, have you seen Slither? Yeah. I have not. I have not. You should. I if you hadn't already had a list, I would say add that to your list for this month. That's an experience. Yeah, that's oh, a lot boy. of fun. James Gunn. <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah, it's been in the back of my head. I'll watch it. I just got done watching Squid Game, so now I'm ready to watch something <gasps> just, else. Just, just, Someone's just. Off camera. You're going to have to explain to me what Squid Game is, because I keep through. seeing it, but I have no just idea what it's it. about. Just watch just it. Just watch it? Just watch <laughs> it. Okay. If I don't <laughs> know what it's about, it'll be even better. Okay, I got two and a half seasons of Smallville. Just let me finish that. Okay, first we'll There's there. only one season of Squid Game. It's like movies, too, because they're like an hour long. Damn. Okay. Commitment. Good. I just started good. watching Midnight Mass, which is oh. Great. That's my next pick. Next thing I'm watching is Midnight Mass. Very good so far. Are we doing what I'm we're excited. watching instead of what we're reading? <laughs> yeah, so, so <laughs> we have the conclusion of the book. <laughs> I thought the conclusion was very, very fun. With Oh, the Red Riding Hood. The classic. It was just, I was so much scarier to never actually show the wolf. To just mm-hmm. show the teeth and the eyeballs and the big terrifying words coming out of him. I think this this was terrifying art as a masterclass, you know. <laughs> yes. This has two of my favorite like my absolute favorite spreads in this whole thing. I like the second spread of her going through the woods where everything's like purple and blue and you see like silhouettes of wolves just in the landscape. Yeah, I love and that. I thought I thought that was so clever and then just the end if the panel of the just white eyes and teeth looking into the window and whispering wasn't enough, that final page, that final freaking page before the the last like long spread, just mm-hmm. oh my god, that's if you need an epitome of this this book as a whole, it's that page. Perfection. It's great. And again, that sense of uh, inevitability, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, totally within that, and also again, not fully understanding the wolf either. Yeah, it's awesome. I think it encapsulates really well the theme of the book that nature is terrifying. You know, nature always wins. The wolf will win. And starting off with the inevitability of death and ending with the fact like death is a part of nature. Nature is going to win, reclaim you. It's all very good. So uh, what was your uh, favorite story from the book? Number one. And it's pretty hard to rank, but maybe favorite would be. So we'll do our, our top 10 list. Um, links in the bio. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to say I really, really liked the first one. I liked the art in it. 
I liked the conclusion of it. That was like the perfect type of ending for me. That that hit really hard for me. So mm-hmm. like there's there's good things in all of these, but I'm I'm going with the first story. I'm going with what, what our, is neighbor's, it? House. our, our neighbor's, neighbor's house. Our neighbor's house. Yeah. Yep. I am gonna have to go with the longest story. The the nesting, the nesting place. place. The nesting yeah. place. I very much liked the nesting place. I think I'm gonna reread that one a couple times. Mm-hmm. How Alexis. about you, Matt oh, or Alexis? Sorry, no, I'm. You're good. I was also gonna say the nesting place, but I feel like honorable mention of. I'm trying to find the name of the one with the scary bride that reminded me of Corpse Bride. Go. A lady's hands are cold. Yes, that one. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm on the stupid damn Kindle app that won't let me pick pages, so I have to like swipe through all of them aggressively. Um, uh, yeah. Will not miss this app, deleting it right after this freaking episode. But uh, yeah, that one yeah. was my favorite. Other a lady's hands are cold, or my favorite is my favorite too. Yeah. I yeah. feel like it just it really reminded me of Corpse Bride, which I love that movie. So. Good movie. It is good. That's my favorite horror movie. Pop that in there. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> But not really. <laughs> I like it. So do we have any more thoughts about Through the Woods before we, we got some listener questions about <gasps> Through the Woods? All right. What did Glenn say? <laughs> what did Glenn say? Uh, Matt, if you don't know, we have a fan named Glenn that writes in every single week. And so we, and we he always... always spells my name wrong. Every time. <laughs> that I'm is true. <laughs> I think he spelled it right last time. <laughs> All right. Uh, Junie Mauricio wrote in, hi everyone. This question is for the Under the Woods podcast. Do you all read more spooky comics during Halloween month? And if so, what are some of your favorite horror comics? Um, while I give everyone a chance to think, uh, I, I feel like I read horror comics year round pretty much. Mm -hmm. I like them very much, but there is some more intentionality around Halloween to try and read big long runs that I haven't read before. And so some of my favorite off the top of my head are Gideon Falls, which recently concluded from Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. I thought, again, if bugs being inside of people is scary to you, Gideon Falls is a very good comic about that. I am a very big fan of the Hellboy franchise. I know that's not straightforward horror, but... It's dark fantasy. I like it a lot. And just any of the work of Junji Ito is very compelling to me. Specifically, the collection of stories in Uzumaki is very fun for me. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay, so um, going off Junji Ito, just if anyone has a chance, just pick up the Shiver collection because it's so fantastic it's got the fashion model in there who is absolutely one of the scariest monsters i've seen in a long time the hanging balloons which is one of my favorite and most original horror stories i've ever read it's like a nightmare a nonsensical nightmare brought to life in the best way just giant heads that look like your head that come around and hang you it's just insane (laughs) it's so i like I sound like a crazy person talking about it, but it's just so incredible and spine chilling. And, oh, there's some other good ones. I just finished the first volume of Revival last night, and that was surprisingly good. It wasn't, like, terrifying, but it definitely has a very unique premise and was definitely very engaging. 
um, Harrow County, of course. And one of the ones that, Matt, you actually had on your list, um, I was talking about yesterday, is Swamp Thing, The Anatomy Lesson. Mm -hmm. One of the absolute just best twists in any comic ever. And one oh, yeah. It's just in a way that has nothing to do with like jump scares or anything like the worst body horror decision, like the worst body horror discovery you could possibly make about yourself. It's, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Existential horror for sure. And super mm -hmm. influential in comic books too. Oh yeah. Me. I don't have yes. any. <laughs> <laughs> this is my first. Okay. Sorry. This is my first horror comic. So I really like where it's going. And I will answer this question at the end of the month. So <laughs> nice. it's very good. I can give you my favorite movie, but. And what is your favorite yeah. horror movie? Cor well, you said Corpse Bride. Coraline and Hor um, Corpse Bride are my I love favorite. Coraline. Coraline's good. I had to, I watched that one for the first time at like 18. So I had to ease myself into it. <laughs> it is it's it's really well done it's also pretty disturbing when you think yeah, about could, everything going I on i would have watched that like as its target group of like a 10 or 11 year old child i would have been traumatized totally traumatized <laughs> like if some scary thing is out there with a doll of me i'm gonna cry it's gonna happen it, i mean it might be the case you never know yeah. big world i got some obsessive well, fans my voodoo doll is a real bitch they need to calm down <laughs> <laughs> I, my third grade teacher decided to read us Coraline for Halloween. I remember just being so upset about it as a little kid. Like everyone in class, I don't remember what the other option was, but she's like, we can read this or we can read a scary book. And third grade me was like, you sons of bitches, please, please don't make me listen to this. And oh, I, I lost. Yeah. And that was my first I, uh, exposure to horror. I love Neil Gaiman. Uh, and... Um, Coraline's great. Um, Graveyard Book is another one that he read. He wrote for a similar age group, which is basically the Jungle Book, but a graveyard and mm, ghosts. Cool. It's pretty awesome. Um, uh, well, that's Stephen King. <laughs> no, I know, but the, I know that I watched that movie and it made me laugh. So, uh, we, well, which one? The new one or the old one? Uh, whichever one's on Netflix. I didn't know there was more than one. It looked pretty new. <laughs> Okay, there was a, a remake that came out a few years ago. I haven't seen it, but it was that one. So it wasn't very good. You're not um, anything. <laughs> yeah, the, I like Gaiman. Like I was saying, I, with Sandman, I'm not a huge fan of like the horror elements of it. I think it's like its weakest point. But I do like the uh, Gaiman's use of horror, generally speaking. Um, like I was saying, like Coraline or um, Graveyard Book, uh, American Gods. Uh, Nice little touches of horror here and there. Um, I was thinking about a story. One has anyone read American Gods? Yeah. I was thinking about the, the, how the way the woman consumes. Yep. Yep. Another person. Yep, yep. like, yep. I, but that's exactly where my mind went. Yeah, it's like there's a good use of horror in American Gods. That was <laughs> or, interesting how they adapted that to screen. I, I never, was surprised I never they got away the with show. it. Okay, I never watched the show. It, the shows. Definitely, it takes some liberties because it has to because it runs longer than the book does. But yeah. the first couple episodes are pretty good. They're okay. pretty painful. And then it got canceled and never completed the story. Yeah. Oops. That's it what happened. It got divergented. Yeah. <laughs> Shame. Um, but uh, I mean, as far as the question, I I guess my horror comic intake doesn't increase all that much during October, and my horror movie intake doesn't increase all that much during October. It's already pretty high. Uh, typically speaking, it just kind of the pace quickens instead of like 
two a week, it's like six a week. <laughs> you know, it's kind of it kind of compresses a bit. You know, or like I was watching Jason Takes Manhattan the other day. <laughs> I was like, this is so bad. I, I I didn't finish it. I got I wasn't even that far in. Like the the lady was um, playing electric guitar and the the deep bowels of the tiny boat, and I was like, this is real bad. <laughs> and I turned it off. Um, like, oh, why does she have? Why does she have an electric guitar? Why is she playing? Why are they shooting a music video on the 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 high school boat retreat? Why is there a high school boat retreat? Why is the ship so big that she's like three stories down inside it, and it's clearly not that big? Why did she go down there? What? Oh, you know, I was like, this <laughs> is a real bad movie for someone that loves like so much of Friday the Thirteenth. That's like, oh, oh man. Oh, you <laughs> can't it, even make it to the part where he knocks the guy's block off. <laughs> I know, but I've seen that so many times <laughs> on YouTube. Like, I watch that like once a month. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, it doesn't increase all that much. I did watch Halloween 3 Season of the Witch yesterday. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen it, that's a great, that's a strange, great, weird movie. It's the only Halloween movie without Michael Myers in it. Um, because Carpenter wanted to turn Halloween into like a, a anthology. And he... After, when he wrote Halloween 2, he wanted to kill that story. So he blew up Michael Myers and Loomis at the end of that. And they're like dead. They're like dead, dead at the end of that movie. Like the movie closes with an extended shot of Michael just burning like on the <laughs> ground. He's like, no, really, like he's gone. And then they made Halloween Season of the Witch for number three. And everyone's like, where's Michael Myers? And they're like, okay, well, we'll bring him back in part four, which is why it's called The Return of Michael Myers. But Halloween 3 is really strange. It's about a Halloween mask company that has robots and they use pieces of Stonehenge in their masks so that they can turn little kids, little kids heads into like a dumpster and like kill all the kids. And you've got a alcoholic uh, doctor that is on the case and is trying to figure out what's happening. And it's very strange. Lovely. Love it's that. really well. It's, yeah. It's, it's great, but it's so weird. Halloween 3. A trip and a half. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I like it. Um, Our question from Glenn Machet this week. Wait, that wasn't his question? That was not. That was someone (laughs) else's. I backlogged his. Uh, He says, (laughs) horror is definitely the number two genre in comics right now. And I think with House of Slaughter number one selling 500,000 copies week one we'll see more soon what comic creators who haven't done horror would you like to see tackle the genre nick spencer <laughs> no no thanks he can stay on kindred got me so hungry for more yeah mm, he can stay on Substack where i don't care what happens <laughs> who do i want to see tackle horror I feel like Jean Wen Yang could do a really fun, like, all ages, kind of like spooky story, if that makes sense. I was remembering fondly today the Teacher from the Black Lagoon series that I read so Oh, many yeah. 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 I remember those. And then it was, like, Jim Teacher from the Black Lagoon and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I could see that. That would be fun. Yeah, I feel like Jean Wen Yang could do a good job with that. Yeah, I would like to see... That I mean, that's sort of a, a a less mined area of comic books is all ages horror comics, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get like little one-offs where they're like the 
where you know the Joker tells a scary story or something for it for DC every October, but mm-hmm. like actually like you know go for it more and and try that more. So yeah, I just Him think and- about my littlest sister who is terrified. Well, not anymore, but for years she was terrified by Jurassic Park, and she would watch it every day. She watches she just, like, Scooby Doo because she's scared of it. Yeah, Still, so she's like she's a 12. very timid little girl, but she loves being scared by the silly things that terrify her. And so I'm like, we need more stuff for that genre. Because I don't want to traumatize the kid, you know? I'm like, give her some Scooby-Doo that will scare her. More of that, please. Next level (laughs) (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a a go-to. Does anybody else have any thoughts on who they would like to see tackle horror? I don't know. More centipedes. More centipedes, please. I think Todd McFarlane should write 400 more issues of Spawn. He will. Soon time. <laughs> He's going to get to 1,000, baby. Oh, please don't. <laughs> if we read that for this podcast, I will quit. I, I did try to get you to read it. I almost, <laughs> I almost got it. You almost pulled it off. I remember when I was very first getting into comics, whatever jerk was running the comic store was like, Spawn's a really important one. And so I like picked up the first two volumes of Spawn, and I was like, maybe comics aren't for me. I don't know. This seems this Did seems you, weird. I just tweeted out the other day. I picked up a Spawn comic at like midnight. I'm like, maybe just one before bed. I open it, and it's just a wall of text. I'm like, yes. nope, never mind. I'm okay. That's Spawn. Next week. <laughs> just a real book. There's no. Don't read it. I'm like, and don't read it. <laughs> don't. If you're gonna read it, read like the first. 20 issues and then stop don't go any further because you get because you get issues written by uh alan moore neil gaiman frank miller and grant morrison within the first 20 issues Mm -hmm. and those are the only good ones and then just don't don't go any further spawn timber is over two left (laughs) (laughs) are you oh so you are reading it um I've read the first two volumes that are on okay. Comixology, and I think yeah. it's up to like issue 18 or something like that. Yeah. So two more issues and then I'll be done. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't go any further. I think that means you okay. just finished Morrison's uh, anti-spawn story. Yes. I think there you so, go. Yeah. Don't go and stop. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. I didn't. <sighs> I, I read those hundred issues because I was paid to. and spawn timber is over so i can speak out against spawn now yeah you can take that brave stance i yeah i remember being worked up about the necroplasm counter so it was very funny to find (laughs) out that that's still something that's going on where like reading those issues i was like man what'll the story be when he finally runs out of powers that's a pretty crazy premise issue 165 Disgusting. That's when it runs out. Disgusting. It takes them that long? Uh-huh. I oh know, right? The first, like, ten issues, he just, like, goes from, like, 9,999 to, like, 6,700. And then right. it's another, like, 140 issues until he runs out. <laughs> <laughs> what was the point, then? <laughs> There's no point. I thought, we were on a, I thought we were on a ticking clock here. Never he gets mind. It back. He gets it back after that. He gets better. <laughs> he gets better. <sighs> gonna make gross I, I i'll quit too <laughs> any other questions those are the yes. two questions that we got in our email 
Does anyone else have any other thoughts or things they want to say about either Through the Woods or perhaps just horror movies they like in general before we start heading towards a wrap-up? No, no, just completely. Let's just completely ignore the fact that I couldn't think of anyone, so that's okay. <laughs> just brush Not that a, under the rug, and we'll see, keep going. Just get Jason Aaron on it. Get him off Avengers for a second. <laughs> it's like that's. I'm like everyone I think of that's done something really suspenseful in the past. I'm like, oh, they could do a horror. Like they've done a horror. Like even Gail Simone's done a horror book before. What was what mm-hmm. was Gail Simone's? She the did clean room? a really yes. Oh my God, that is a bizarre trip that is a bizarre <laughs> trip um i we're, there was one more question uh diego rivera the creator of spawn timber himself on twitter did oh, ask uh wolfman dracula frankenstein you gotta kiss one marry one and kill one. <laughs> oh, perfect okay. who wants to go first okay so because of helsing <laughs> i know that dracula can swap genders so i'm i'm marrying dracula i'm sticking okay. with her my um i'm gonna kiss the werewolf because not dead and i'm killing frankenstein and he's already dead so i guess i don't really have to do anything so <laughs> we're, there we go we're set Ooh, i think i'm gonna have to go ahead and kill frankenstein mm-hmm. i sorry guy Becky. Oh, <laughs> um, saying frankenstein's monster no, it I'm is killing, specifically I'm Frankenstein's monster. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to kiss Dracula because, I mean, vampires are very into necking and everything. It's always very sultry when vampires are involved. So, I don't know. Uh-oh. Why not Dracula? And I'm going to marry the wolf man because I, I feel the most compelled by his story. Basically, I'm like... <laughs> Have you seen Hotel Transylvania? Do you know how many kids you're going to have if you get into that? <laughs> no. That's okay. Hell no. Imagine, imagine you at the altar saying your vows. It's like, I was so compelled by your story. <laughs> That's the only reason I'm here. I like it. How about you, Alexis? I think mine might be the same as Anne's. I think the same reasoning, too. <laughs> Dracula uh, sounds good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would go. You got. I, I would kiss Wolfman, because mm-hmm. uh, you know when when are you gonna be able to kiss a werewolf? Uh, I, I would kill. I, I would. I would kill. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Uh, I would kill Dracula because that guy's an abuser, uh, and then I would marry Frankenstein because he's Frankenstein's monster because he feels he's a very tender soul. You know, he's always learning. And I feel like it would work out really well. Be careful, though. He's not great with kids. <laughs> no, I would keep him with you. <laughs> kids I'm just uh, imagining like, a romantic montage of Matt teaching Frankenstein different things. <laughs> nice. it's, it's a nice, mo- a nice rom-com there. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we've got for this episode. Uh, concerning... Through the Woods by Emily Carroll. Um, I, I'll let Matt and Alexis dip out if they'd like, and Anne and I can do the 10 comics that people should read Yes. this wow. coming week. I mean, unless kick, you two want to stick around for that. Kick yeah, off the podcast that I was invited to be part of. <laughs> right, we can do nine and you can party. pick three. Yeah, I mean, if you want to pick three, feel free. I didn't want to spring it on you. 
I definitely I didn't look ahead, so. It's all right. I don't read comics. They're for nerds. <laughs> they point. are for nerds. <laughs> I only watch horror movies because there I'm edgy and cool. Yeah. Got to get into well, the Friday the 13th franchise real quick. I've actually never seen any of them. I well, have watched clips. I'm aware of them. I have the first one on my list for this October. It's we'll see. that first one is okay. They yep. yeah. When they settle when they settle into more of the formula with, with Jason, it, it gets more enjoyable. I think. Do I have to watch the first one to watch no. the good ones? No. You don't got to watch anything to watch anything. Just watch <laughs> Jason Lives. Jason Lives. All right. Part six. Perfect. I'll just skip right to number six. I like that idea. That's, that's my favorite. That's All my right. favorite. So just go with that. That's my that's my recommendation. Cool. Well, Matt, before you go, do you have anything else you want to say? Anything you want to plug? Final words from Matt Draper. Uh, well, if you liked hearing me here, uh, I talk about horror and comic books on YouTube under just my name, Matt Draper. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, Matt Draper YT stands for YouTube, and uh, I talk about uh, horror and comics there too. Uh, even though I talk about comic books less and less these days because uh, they're for nerds. Word, <laughs> so true. Uh, I love that. Well, thank you so much. This thank you really for having time. me on. Yeah, I had a lot of fun, and uh, good luck recommending comic books to people. Thank you very much. We're going to convert a whole generation of nerds to wonderful. Books. Wonderful. Disciples. Yeah, that's what we're here for. All right. Love that. All right. See you, Matt. See ya. Bye. All right. Time for the real podcast. <laughs> Ready for the next hour? Yeah. Oh, please, no. Please, no. Release me from this first? pain. Yeah, you can first? go first. Okay. Awesome. So, my first one is The Amazing Spider Man number 75. Perfect. I'm not even going to read that. Good for you. <laughs> You're such a liar. I hate you. <laughs> All right. My first pick is New Mutants number 22. Vita Ayala could write the phone book and I would read it. New Mutants is very fun. Fair point. Um, I'm going off the, the Amazing Spider-Man number 75. I am going to read it. And it's going to be the first Spider-Man comic I picked up since literally number 700 eight years ago. You didn't read Superior? No, I skipped it. I was, I was in high school. I had no money. I was very picky. I followed Aquaman and Justice League at the time, and that's all I could afford. You followed Jeff Johns' Justice League over was Superior Spider-Man? Listen to me. I was new. I was having a good time. And um, we've all done things we regret, you know? it's We've all been there. Stop judging me. Okay, um... <laughs> Do I, is that just that's my first one? You go to your second one. No, it's you. You have to do a second one now. Okay, God damn it. Go every other one. Okay, um, Dark Ages number two because it's an event that I've I had a lot of fun with with the first one and I want to see where it goes next. And this is honestly this issue is going to determine whether or not I keep following it because I feel like the first issue was a good setup and I feel like this one's going to give us a good idea of where the series is actually going to go. So I'm interested. I'm going to pick it up. Perfect. Uh, Hellions number 16, because I am an X-Men shill, and the X-Men books I like are coming out this week. So, <laughs> Hellions number 16 is very good. I like your reasoning. 
My third book is going to be Captain Marvel number 33. Ooh, see how many threes there are? We're halfway to 666. This is so cool. This is definitely Halloween. <laughs> Freaking bats. I love Halloween. Freaking bats. <laughs> um, if you're not reading The Last of the Marvels so far, you need to get on it. It's only one issue in, and it's, I can already tell this is going to be my favorite um, arc. I'm not like... I, I feel like I'm jinxing myself, but also I feel pretty safe in saying that. I'm going to adore this and very excited to talk to Kelly Thompson after I get to read this this week. So that's going to be really cool. It's going to be super rad. All right. Mine is The Me You Love in the Dark. This is a horror comic that I very much like. Um, actually, all of our collective least favorite story from Through the Woods reminded me a lot of a little bit worse version of this very good story really? than me you love in the dark so if you like the concept of like the ghost hanging over the girl's shoulder the me you love in the dark is a very good version of that story well damn okay i guess i'll have to have to take a look um i'm very conflicted here part of me wants I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm actually gonna say Arkham City the Order of the World. I can't believe I'm going to a bat book, but this one looks different. It looks interesting. I want to see what it's about. And if it's actually something unique and interesting, I'll be here for it. But I'm this is like a curiosity pick for me this week, just because I want to see. You're part of the problem. I just uh, shut up. I know. <laughs> my pick is going to be Defenders number three. Uh, it's got tentacles and Cthulhu stuff going on in it. So, yes. duh. Duh. Thank you. Okay, my final pick. This is a hard one because that Wonder Woman um, anniversary special is out this week, too. And that's that's what I want to pick up. But I have to go with Crush and Lobo because I suggest Crush and Lobo every time because it's one of my favorite DC books right now. And Crush is crushing it. So, boom. That's what I'm going with. I like it. My final has got to be, every week it comes out, I recommend it, folks. Firepower number 16. Boom. This book rules. Chris Samney drawing kung fu. What more could you want? <laughs> Robert Kirkman's also there. But Chris Samney drawing <laughs> kung fu. Oh, my. He is also present. He is also there. That's my feelings about a lot of Robert Kirkman books. He is also there. I, I really liked Invincible. I haven't, I don't think I've given a lot of his work a try yet. I think I've read three issues of The Walking Dead and that's about it. I read like 24 issues of The Walking Dead and went, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was good enough that I liked it, but it mm -hmm. wasn't good enough for me to go pick up the next volume. Does that make sense? I think, like yeah. I read what I had and I was like, oh, I liked that. Oh, well. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I only have two or three volumes of it because a coworker gave it to me and said, hey, do you want some comics? I just have these. I'm like, sure. And he just gave me three graphic novels and they're sitting on my shelf and I picked them up exactly once to read two, three issues and I haven't picked them up again since. And to be honest, the urge isn't really there. It was that. fine. All right. Well, that is the 10 comics that you need to pick up this week, dear listener. If you've made it to this part of the show, you are the elite, the cream of the crop. Um, and if that's true, you probably also like the show and we want to hear from you. So please follow us and reach out to us at CMX Collective on Twitter, or you can find each of us individually on Twitter at Dallas underscore comics. Please don't follow me at Ann Comics <laughs> and at Lexi Taylor underscore one, two, three. I made a joke about an uncircumcised penis this week on Twitter. So if that isn't enough to deter you, I don't know yeah, what is. Um, 
I meant I meant to bring that up. We need to have a talk soon. We need to, we need to have a, a, a just a, an intervention. A nice heart to heart about giving oh. just unfettered access to my mind. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Why are you shaking your head? We want five star reviews. <laughs> Give us a five star review, please. Just like these people question mark i don't think we have any new ones no okay cool no rip oh psych we do have a new one oh my gosh i buried the lead ding 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 kane the king of games writes i discovered this podcast and its lovely hosts on twitter and without question it was the best thing to come out of that wretched hive of scum and villainy Dallas, Lexi, and Anne are some of the most fun people to listen to talk about comics. They've gotten me reading new books, and the community they've fostered has been wonderful to be a part of. The only fault so far is that they haven't read Spencer's run on Spider-Man or Avengers 200. What's up with that? Jesus Christ. Okay. You had you had me in the first half, not going to lie. <laughs> I know. Jeez. They know us. They've clocked oh. us. Oh, we are never. Maybe for an April Fool's Day joke. <laughs> That's our April Fool's episode. <laughs> Oh. oh, and finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecommercecollective at gmail.com. See you next week, lovely folks, for our episode on, drumroll please, Lock and Key, Volumes 1 through 3. Another reminder, however, there will be an episode between that where we interview creator of Spider-Man Beyond, Captain Marvel, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and much more, Kelly Thompson. Oh my gosh. I I have to keep pinching myself. I pinch myself every morning. This is my life. I get to talk to Kelly Thompson. Oh my freaking God. (laughs) It's going to be very fun. So that won't be released on a Wednesday. That'll probably be released next. So not. Yeah, next Monday Mm -hmm. is probably when that will come out. So. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. See ya.